Well, hey, folks, how you doing? This is Ty from BreakerCulture.com. I hope you're having a great day whenever you may be listening to this. This is episode 17 of Breaker Culture Weekly, and we really appreciate you taking the time to listen to our podcast. We know there's lots of options out there, and so we appreciate you giving us time. Just like every other week today, we talk about all kinds of random things, some uh, regarding this, the sports card market and the hobby, and then some regarding everything else in life. Um, we cover a lot of different things today from the National Card Day to uh, retail collecting to Pokemon, I know, Tiger Woods to some new movies and even favorite fast foods, all while Shanice standing on a beautiful golf course and we get to hear the birds chirping behind him and I'm sitting here drinking coffee uh, on a Saturday morning in hot KC. But either way, we really appreciate you giving us time. As always, give us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you and we do what we can to take your feedback and, and just the way we, we do things here on the podcast. Enjoy the show. Sydney, what's going on, man? Tyler, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, too, even though you didn't ask me. <laughs> I did say, Tyler, how are you? My syntax is backwards because I got maybe an hour of sleep. I'm oh, in man. Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is where we used to live before children. And we maintain a really nice relationship with a, a couple that we met here. You know, we left about 12 years ago. And the reason I know almost exactly how long ago it's been is because we left when we found out we were having our first child and Zev is about to turn 12. So just go. shy of 12 years ago. And uh, for Jenny's 40th birthday, she decided she wanted to come back to Ann Arbor to hang out with these friends of ours. And we got here just before dinner time and uh, I don't know, around seven or so. And, I, and we ended up hanging out just talking and, uh, didn't get to bed till three. <laughs> the, Jenny the fact, felt fast asleep. Of course. And I and I and I couldn't. I, I just couldn't. I, I'm just too wired. Just hanging out and chatting with friends. And uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you were obviously so. It's like Christmas morning, podcast morning. You know, you just can't go to sleep. Right. Exactly. Or Hanukkah morning, whichever. <laughs> it's, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies. It's all good. <laughs> Nice, man. Well, happy National Card Day to you. That's yeah, a big you day. too. What an exciting day. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I've never actually participated in National Card Day. I haven't even taken my kids to a card shop for this. Mainly because I feel like every day is National Card Day at my house. <laughs> right. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> I, you? that's pretty much how I treat it, too. I mean, if I don't buy a pack a day, I'm probably there's something wrong. But yeah, realistically, I probably haven't intentionally. I do think a couple of years ago, I went to the shop that I normally frequent and uh, it just happened to be National Card Day. And when I bought a couple packs of Chrome, he handed me a free pack of National Card Day cards. And I was like, what's this? And he said, oh, I figured you knew. And that's why you were here for the free stuff. I said, if I knew there was free stuff, I definitely would have been here earlier and I would have brought my kids to get more of it. But no, I was there alone and luckily I got some free stuff. Uh, yeah, honestly, it, if I recall, it didn't amount to much. If you're one of the lucky, very, very random short printed pulls and you get a, a an auto, I think Kershaw and Otani are the two primary autos this year. I think Cindergard is in there. Oh, you're right. It is Cindergard. He yeah. looks like it. Kershaw, whatever. 
<laughs> yeah. Like well, that. I think I think yeah, it's one of those things where you get a free pack if you walk in, and I'm sure that free pack has nothing except cool exclusive cards. I'll give you know they they look decent. They're kind of fun. But then if you spend ten dollars, you get a special gift, which would include I think the packs would include the potential auto. Ah, I did not understand that correctly. Then I thought you had to spend ten bucks to get anything, but no, that's nice. No. Okay. Yep. Um, I think uh, all all major league teams are giving away packs as well at their games today. At their games today, yeah. Interesting. So, so but. I have a buddy that went to an Indians game at Jacobs Field on the Sunday of the National. And they were already giving away packs on that Sunday, I assume, because the National was in town and Panini probably just went ahead and hand dropped the Indians, you know, package, if you will. So he had, he actually gave them to me, uh, midweek. He happens to be my chiropractor. So when, uh, when I went to get in a little adjustment earlier this week, he said, oh, you know how I went to that Indians game? Here, here's a pack of cards. I know you like this stuff. Um, the difference, I, I guess this is probably the case for these games where they're giving them out today. The entire pack were all all Cleveland Indian players. Yeah, right. So I guess that's likely to be the situation for most games today. I think so. Yeah, and they started the MLB giveaways on July 24th. And so that, I mean, basically every day since and, and until August 11th, Every team will kind of fill out the their uh, MLB pack giveaway. So yeah, you know Pirates on the fifth. So sorry about that. You missed it. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> nice. Not too much to chase for the Pirates this year, unfortunately. Yeah, that's right. Speaking of that, I do have some Josh Bell cards for you. I've been setting those aside. So nice. And he yeah. he definitely is the guy that if Pirate fans are chasing anybody, it's probably him. But being that it's no longer his rookie year, and for some reason. I don't know if they're not asking him to or what, but he doesn't really sign much. Definitely not much for tops at all, if anything. And he's been in a little bit of Panini stuff, but uh, yeah, it is what it is. I mean, you can't have it your way with every product. It just happens to be that for the Pirates and I think a number of teams, there's there's a there's a disproportionate representation for the the top half and probably somewhere in the middle um as far as larger market if you're the yankees or the red sox obviously the angels this year dodgers you're loving life orioles even but uh oh and the braves they've got what 40 rookies this year yeah yeah exactly but uh you know if you're not one of those top end teams you, you tend to struggle, especially in specific releases like a Clearly Authentic or Topps Archive Signature Series. A good number of teams that have no representation whatsoever. Right. So, yep. Yep. And we've covered out this there a bit. Buying into those. Yeah. Sorry about that. No, you're good. No, I think it's right. I, think you're I just wanted right. to say for folks out there buying into those kind of breaks, be careful about either making a, a pre-release purchase. And be sure that the breaker you're buying from is willing to either amend the price or even give you a discount if your team ends up having no checklist or a very short checklist. Um, or just wait. And that would be my recommendation. Yeah, well, it's funny. You always see those breakers and they'll be, hey, man, we've got 28 teams and we're giving four of them away. We're, we're doing a, you know the dual team. Right. Like, and you, you guys realize it sounds really good. 
but the four teams they're giving away don't actually have any hits. So <laughs> exactly. they're not bonuses at all. And they're not giving base away, so. <laughs> no hits in an all-hit product. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's hilarious. So speaking of that, I, I threw an article out yesterday. Um, and it was more just uh, I wanted to get the, the pricing ladder out, the rookie auto pricing ladder out for Topps sure. Chrome. So I got it out. 72 autos, we mentioned that last week. Uh, but for folks that don't know, and this blew my mind. I knew it was pretty bad. I didn't know it was this bad. Um, so check out these stats. Have, have you read the article, by the way? I skimmed through it. I got through the first uh, couple paragraphs. And okay, sweet. I was sweet. actually no trying to read it while I was driving. <laughs> don't recommend kids don't try this at home. yeah my wife slapped my wrist and told me to stop <laughs> uh okay so com- comparatively one week after release percentage of autos above twenty dollars for oh, 2018 no. bowman 2018 bowman 40 percent okay okay not bad there was there was 60 yeah. autos 60 I would autos say pretty in good actually yeah, very good. I mean, above twenty, you figure for sixty dollars, that's twenty-four autos above right. twenty dollars on average. Impressive, very impressive. Yeah, tops Chrome, fourteen percent. Ten, ten out of seventy-two. Now here's where it gets worse. Percentage of autos above ten dollars. Two thousand eighteen Bowman, ninety-one percent. Literally, it's, it blows my mind. That's amazing. 2018 Chrome, 17 out of 72, 23%. Huh. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a lot of that isn't in anybody's control, right? I mean, is is isn't it fair to say that at least a certain amount of the 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 what serves that end result is just whether or not the rookie class gets called up, whether or not they perform or get pulled back down to the minors. And that's not in anybody's hands, right? Well, true. I, but but I think the, the problem here is that when you're talking 20% on 72, I mean, right. you're, you're, you're talking 55 autos that are averaging less than $10. And this is the first week where prices are inflated. Like if you can't that's get through, right? And, and so it's, I mean, that's where it's like, oh my gosh. And you figure, I mean, I, I we can speak to these, you know, the, the full breakout of these products, but with jumbos, you know, you get eight boxes, five, five, uh, five autos per box autos. and it's 40 autos a box. And I mean, no kidding. A, a case. 37, 40 case. Uh, sorry, 48, 40 autos a case, 36, 37, even 38 autos of those 40 are less than $10 on average. Wow. Like that's just the way it's breaking out. I mean, it's just I, – I think that the, the situation here can be remedied by reducing the number of autos because if you look at it, I mean, the top 10 is pretty impressive this year, period. It just is. Right. Some really Absolutely. good autos. Very top heavy. But blew my mind, man. That's just unacceptable. Unacceptable that you have a 77% chance in any case of pull – and actually it's higher than that because the upper end autos are short printed. So it's it's really less when you look at the sequential numbering of cards, you know. So probably an, an 85 percent chance that you're not pulling any auto more than ten dollars. So I I know it's hard to reverse the clock, right? And 
there are a number of collectors out there that would hate the idea. But I know there are a number of collectors out there that would also like it because it's an idea that's not original and not my own. It's really something I've read and heard from other folks, which is, especially in a product like Topps Chrome, can't we see a situation that would potentially work for both Topps and the hobby at large to put less emphasis on the auto? If you reduce the number of autos, do you inflate the potential value of other short printed cards, chrome, color, SPs, photo variations, and the like? I don't know. I mean, it's just you, you talked about remedying it by reducing the number of autos overall. Um, I also think, just in terms of you know the the quote unquote guaranteed content. I just, you know, there's probably too many tops probably assumed there's too many people that would lose their minds about that. Yeah, you're probably right. And, and, but I think to, to, to tops credit, I think they are doing some some good things with increasing print run because the, the reality is they have to increase print run because the hobby's growing. And we just spoke about it last right. week, the national, like it's it's a it's a growing hobby. And that's a great thing. And I think what tops is doing with throwing um you know, X fractors and sepia and pink is like exclusive parallels in certain products where they can print some more. Uh, I think that's a great way of handling it because, and then it forces folks to collect different ways and it also adds value to something outside of an auto. So I, I give them credit for doing it that way. I, I have enjoyed having exclusive parallels in other products. Is it worth it to take a moment and talk a little bit about what you just referred to and the fact that it is retail exclusive to find those sepia pink and extractor uh, colors, if you will, parallels. Um, but it still seems to me, and I'm interested to hear what you have to say in your experience and talking to other folks in the hobby, that there's still a, a significant crowd that kind of looks down their nose at the retail Mm -hmm. offerings and and you know some folks that say they'll never go to a target or walmart and buy a blaster or a rack pack um you and i obviously agree and we like it <clears throat> but mm -hmm. what do you think of that i mean maybe that's a good thing for those of us that like retail because we know there's a market for it even if those people don't like it yeah well so he here's what i like about it i like that it keeps folks in the hobby in cities that don't have card shops for, for, I mean, number one. Um, and I mean, even in Kansas city, right there, there's really only one card shop. It, it, the other one it's, it's, you got to drive 30 minutes and they rarely have new hobby or have enough hobby. So it's like, well, okay. what's the point then I either have to go online and purchase, or I can walk in and still experience kind of my, you know, my itch by walking into Walmart or Target. So I think it's from that perspective, I think it's really good for anyone. I agree. And then, uh, then there's obviously a, 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 a huge uh, amount of collectors out there that live in cities that don't have that option. So it's a very right. good point. Yeah. I think the other point to what you're saying is also. You know, some folks are either on a budget because they absolutely have to be or they force themselves to be like myself, force myself to be on a budget because I don't think it's appropriate to be spending as much money as I would potentially like to on the hobby. So mm -hmm. $20 on a blaster is far more palatable than $100 on a hobby box. Right. 
Yeah, it's a great point. Yeah. Well, and they're they're trying to do some other things, right? By putting those collectors boxes out there for you to go grab and all that stuff. And, and I think that's some fun stuff. And haven't yeah. had a good success, but they're they're kind of they're getting they're getting closer and closer to becoming kind of a quasi hobby retailer with right. some of the exclusive content. So and, and that's it, all of the companies, even Upper Deck. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of things that need to be fixed, though, with the, the, the retail model, especially when you got a lot of these local guys that are building, um, you know, relationships with the distributors that are stocking this stuff. And you, You're I mean, you, absolutely right. I mean, we've had this conversation kind of offhand before. You can't walk yeah. in and have platinum out of stock because somebody built a relationship and texted the lady stocking it and they're setting it aside for them. Like that, that's, yeah. that's just not fair. You just can't be doing that stuff, but it's, it's going to happen. I get it. Hobby that never happened. It definitely happens in Pittsburgh. And I can tell you that to find it, the, the product, which really spurred our conversation about that initially was those Bowman mega boxes. Hmm. And it was those that hit the shelves for 15 bucks a piece. And then we're all of a sudden on eBay for upwards of 50. And uh, yeah, I think folks in every city were chasing down those XL vendors and just attacking them. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. And it's, I'm, I'm assuming that since then they've probably started to do it with other releases. I, I know that a few targets I hit up after Chrome was released and I knew it was in every target at this point. Some some of those targets were completely bare, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty common in KC. Well, uh, I've gotten better. I, I a few years ago, I feel like I was one of those guys that would walk in, and if I'd see it, I would just snag almost everything. But now it's like I feel like there's a little bit of an obligation from from me now that I have kids who are old enough to collect to leave some of it, <laughs> most of it maybe right. for kids to get. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking it doesn't matter. The kids aren't buying this. It's some other grown man walking in. And, Films. It really it. is not the kids. The kids who end up in that section are looking at Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's funny. My kids will humor me. They'll walk over to that section with me. They'll look at sports with me for a few minutes and just slowly gravitate over to Pokemon. Yeah. And when I say, you want anything? They don't reach out for the sports cards. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a. I have disciplinary measures in place for that type of attitude towards sports cards. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that, though, does it feel like Pokemon and it's magic and all that stuff? That those sections are like, it's like a nasty virus that's just growing and growing inside that section. And every day, I feel like I go in there, it gets a little bit bigger, and it's just oh, like yeah. e eating up the section of sports cards. <laughs> it's like, man, come on. What is going on with these? But I mean, I get it. I mean, my kids talk about it. Your kids talk about it. It's fun. It's gaming, whatever. But And the value is there, by the way. If you ever take a second to look at um, eBay listings and sold and completed items for all of them, but especially Pokemon and Magic, um, yeah, there's, there's some resale that eclipses sports. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you're dealing with some of the original content which obviously you can't buy off the rack at Target currently. Yep. And you never, I, I doubt you ever will again, but yeah, there's definitely value there. And the, and, and for the kids, you know, they're not only getting cards, but they're getting cards that they can then turn around and play a game with, with their right. friends. Right. Yeah. That's I don't think deal. kids are flipping sports cards 
uh, as, you know, a way to gamble with them, you know, and like, like folks used to back in the day. Mm. Um, you're right though. It has, it not only has it grown in that section by the registers, but they now have, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh magic and Pokemon section back in the toy section as well. Mm. So it's, it's definitely growing. Hopefully it doesn't eat up all of our space with sports cards, but, uh, you know, that remains to be seen. Sports cards will always have their place. They just Very might have true. to move it to the back of the store. Very true. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I did dabble a couple years ago in some Pokemon, uh, mainly because I was at the time, this is actually probably four years ago. I was, uh, working with the distributor and doing a lot of more resale. And he talked me into trying Pokemon because Pokemon was just incredibly popular and still is, of course. But he said, hey, man, try, why don't you try four or five of these cases of a new release? I already forgot the name of the release. He's like, yeah, the resale value is crazy. It's so hot right now. And so I, I got these cases. And my kids at the time, my two boys at the time were five and six, or maybe six and seven. And I kid you not, man, I spent... I spent maybe two hours breaking these cases and I spent probably 20 hours trying to figure out what the heck they meant. <laughs> I mean, there's like so many nuances with Pokemon cards that, I mean, it just to, to know the lingo and to like yeah. list it and communicate it the right way. Uh, it was, yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I hate to say never again because if my kids wanted to do something like that again, I'd probably do it, but it was really hard. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to go back into that world. Yeah, you essentially need somebody that is in that hobby to really pull that off. You can't yeah. do it yourself. Yeah. Well, I made the mistake too of thinking you could list you could list uh, lots. I'll oh, take no. uh, you know this guy, whatever, and and I'll, I'll list a lot. He's got you know fifty five hundred XP points, whatever, and, and uh, people don't buy in lots. <laughs> they don't, they don't no. want ten of the same guy. And that's, you know, that's, that's really about understanding and being in that hobby, understanding the game. I know a little bit from my kids too. And, uh, I understand from them that when you play the game and not just collect the cards, you are limited to the number of cards you are allowed to have in your deck right? to yep. play that competitive game. So having duplicates has no value to them. Mm. Yep. Unless they're also looking to sell or trade. But in that case, it it better be a high end card. Selling right. lots of a low end card doesn't work. Right. But that's hmm. the extent of my knowledge. So I think you and I are in the same boat. We're not gonna wow anybody with our Pokemon and magic. Yeah, which means we probably knowledge here. We should probably stop talking about it before we look more like idiots. Yeah, and with our <laughs> listeners now saying, uh, I'm about to end this, guys. Uh, you better move on and reel us back in here. That's right. Well, so a couple things. Okay, first off, side note. Uh, this morning here, Tiger Woods is four under through ten in his front really? nine. He's moved up. He's moved up 30 spots, tied for 18th now. So uh, he's only so what's a your six take? back. Are you a oh, Tiger supporter and you're interested in him? having a resurgence in his career or just a casual fan and you know, it'll be good for the sport. That's more, I think it's more, I mean, look, I, I think we're, we're past the point of forgiving tiger. And I think most people have now it's like, 
what does he provide us if he's successful? He provides us more quality entertainment, better coverage, a lot more excitement. And from a hobby perspective, he provides just another element to collect and to drive prices. And I like that type of stuff is really exciting to me. And I, I, I love it. I love it. I want the, he is too important for the game of golf to fail. I would love to see him blow it out and win a major. I agree with you entirely. Um, it's funny. I will find myself in conversation about a guy like Tiger Woods or maybe about a guy like Ben Roethlisberger saying out of one side of my mouth, I, you know, I don't care what these guys do off the field or off their field of play, whatever that is. I'm, I'm watching them for their athletic prowess. Tiger makes the game of golf more interesting, period. There have been how many guys that have had the potential of rising to a superstar level who just flat out haven't been able to. And, yeah. the only, and it's still Tiger Woods that's the only guy who has ever ascended to that kind of transcendent level in that sport, obviously since the older guys like Jack and Arnie have left. But be that as it may, I'll then find myself out of the other side of my mouth talking about, well, I have kids and the guys that I choose to watch and care about are going to be noticed by my kids. And I don't necessarily want them to think their dad is, you know, just a fan of <laughs> these misogynists. Um, it's a tough one, you know, but in the end, I, I do tend to agree. I think what you said is that, the amount of time that has passed has been enough to move on and say now that a comeback from Tiger, most or if not all could accept. And uh, yeah, but I do agree. I think he makes the sport so much more exciting just by him being in contention, by the way, I would like this, like you said, I would like to see him win and especially a major, but just him being in contention on Sunday makes it that much more interesting. Totally agree. Yep. So for sure. Yeah. Well, and so I th- it, the other element of this is something I think we're probably going to table and talk about in a different episode is this whole idea of gambling, sports betting, um, and how it's obviously become legal in states. And I love to have the conversation of not just how Tiger Woods and any other players' resurgence impacts the hobby, but also from that sports betting side, how does it draw more folks in? And now that it's become more common and people can do it easier. Is it? So I'd almost like to throw out a teaser um, along with a request to our listening audience, being that we are going to table the whole question of sports gambling becoming legalized. And the question is not just how might it be good for the hobby, but how might it affect the hobby in any way? Good, bad, down the middle um and and there there are definite ways that it might affect the hobby that you wouldn't even categorize in that fashion and it's just a different way of getting excited about athletes again not to not to go too far into it because i know we're tabling it but to that listening audience i'd say if you have any thoughts because this is such a new and such an exciting and important topic drop us some thoughts whether it be on twitter or through the what uh, the breakerculture.com website, we'd love to hear what you have to say and kind of help us 
shape some of the conversation we're going to have in short order. Um, because I think uh, a lot of folks are pretty interested in this one. Um, if nothing else, I was up till three last night, like I already said, with three people who are not interested in the hobby, even a little bit. And I said to them, as you and I were texting, oh, wow, this is, oh, wow, this is good. And they said, Shani, what are you talking about? What do you think about? I said, well, I'm texting with my buddy Ty that I do this podcast with, and he just threw out as a topic for the podcast, we, can, we need to touch on sports gambling and how it's going to affect the hobby. And they were like, what are you talking about? Sports cards being affected by gambling? So I threw a couple things at them, and it really spurred on very interesting conversation. And again, with three people that have no interest in the hobby, but had a lot to say. Mm. So for folks that are interested in the hobby, I imagine it's going to be even more um, emotional, heated, interested. Yeah. So share well, us your, I, share your thoughts. We want to hear from you guys. I'll, I'll throw a question out there on Twitter for sure this week because maybe we can talk about it next week. And I know you have some pretty hot takes on this uh, topic. I do. So. I'm, I'm interested to, to have the conversation. Um, I, I, I want to jump into the conversation about football, but before we do that, let me thank our sponsors real quick and we'll, we'll pop back into this. Sounds good. All right. Bye. Bye. Folks, if you haven't had a chance to check out Brian at BH35 Sports Cards, Big Hurt 35, as, as many know him in the, in the breaker world, uh, you need to get around to checking out Brian. Brian is by far one of my favorite breakers, both to, to interact with and to watch his breaks and to participate. Uh, one of the veterans of the hobby, honestly, been around for quite some time and runs a, a pretty slick operation uh, with his business. The thing I like about Brian is that He's got a totally different type of entertainment personality, just a cool cat uh, who always seems to keep you engaged uh, in, in the product that you're breaking and, and has a way of kind of telling you the truth about products while um, also having fun doing it. So check them out, bh35sportscards.com. Uh, you can find them on Breaking Culture. You can find them basically all over the place, and he breaks a whole lot of product. Sign up for his email list, get uh, notified when he's going live, and uh, track him down on eBay as well. You're going to enjoy it. You won't regret it for sure. Check out Brian, BH35 Sports Cards. All right, we're back, Shani. We're you back. Ready? You ready to talk about some NFL football? I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so here's the good news. I know you're really going to be excited to hear this. Uh, over the next four weeks, you have four releases. And if you count this past week, you have five releases essentially in five weeks. How in the world are you as a collector supposed to collect all these products? I mean, this is getting out of hand. The season hasn't even started yet. And basically every week for the last two months, we've had a new release in football. It's crazy. I, I would argue that this has been a problem since Panini acquired the rights exclusively to the mm -hmm. NFL. And if it, it, it's, you mentioned already in this podcast that the hobby is growing and we have a lot of reason for excitement and encouragement. But this is one of those things that I think could be very bad for the hobby moving forward. 
I don't think, think it could be. It, it, it is bad. I think it it's bad for the hobby. Yeah. It's not going to... It's not going to remind us of, it may remind some of those overproduction years of the early 90s because it's not happening in one product where it's just going out of just control. But it's pretty much the same thing, and all they're doing is just making more products rather than overdoing just one. That's totally it. And the problem, I think we'd all argue, the problem with football collecting period is that it doesn't hold resale value. Like we've had this conversation a thousand times. If you don't exactly, get the yeah. top running back or the quarterbacks in the draft, you have no chance of sustaining any value with your rookie cards. Um, and the truth and, is, even to amend that even a little bit further, if you get the top running back, you better be looking to sell now. Right. The only the only cards worth trying to hold for long term value are quarterbacks. Yeah. And how many of those guys really pan out annually? So. Yeah, you literally, if people did it right, everyone would be selling almost everything and holding on to the two or three quarterbacks that they thought really had a chance to pan out. Yeah. Yeah, and I get it. I mean, everyone doesn't do this for – and probably most people don't do this for investment. But, it, I mean, there's something to be said about even as a collector, knowing that your cards will sustain some sort of value. And having four releases in four weeks is is unacceptable. I mean, you got unparalleled. That's – what that's been around for three years, four years. Mm-hmm. You got Origins that's been around for I don't know two. what two, two, yeah. three at the tops, yeah. Absolute, which okay, that's been around for that's it's, that's a staple product for them. Um, and you got Spectra, which has come up in the last five years, is really kind of an augment to the prisms of the world. And Spectra is probably the one product I have the biggest gripe with. Well, it's three hundred bucks a box. It's three hundred dollars a box. It start yeah. It starts with the price. It's the fact that you're paying that amount, and I think almost all of the autos are stickers, with the exception of like the one hundred ones or out of fives and tens, maybe. And then I don't know. I, I, I this is where I do speak out of both sides of my mouth. There are kind of the more artistic products that I like, kind of in the vein of like the the court kings or diamond kings type products but spectra with their neon green and pink autos mm-hmm. i'm sorry they're just they're I, i'm no i'm not a sexist or misogynist by any means but they're just not colors that i associate with gridiron warriors you know <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope my point isn't being you know muddled by by anything but uh, I just don't get it. I I know that, and I don't begrudge anybody for liking it. Whatever you like, it's totally up to you. Don't take these <laughs> words, and, you know, and 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 I'll definitely don't throw them back at me because it's really just my opinion. But I don't get it, especially not for the price. I mean, three hundred dollars a box for that product—it's crazy, insane, insane. Yeah, I mean, there's no way that holds any resale value. I mean that 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 will plummet to one seventy five a box in two months. Maybe it takes a little bit longer, but I, I agree. Ultimately, it's not holding value. Yeah, especially because of the sticker autos. And generally, most folks, even like me, who might like a release or two, that's kind of more of that avant garde artistic kind of thing still gravitate back to the 
staples, mm-hmm. like the prisms of the world, where mm-hmm. you, you have images that make sense to, relative to the sport right. and the athlete. Right. But, <clears throat> you know, I, I back to the larger point at hand, not just Spectra, something's got to give. I know that Panini has a huge nut that they've got to make up to be able to afford this license. So is it time that they recognize that maybe this kind of capitalist notion of trying to own everything isn't exactly the best way to approach this hobby as a mm-hmm. business? And we do a few releases, let Tops do a few of theirs, healthy competition. And I say, go back to that for all sports. I want to see a little bit of tops and upper deck basketball. I want to see Panini do hockey again. I just don't think it's a wise thing for anybody involved to own a sport. Yeah, I 100% agree. I really do. And it is a shame because like on the baseball side, when Panini puts out a baseball product, you want so much to like it because it's actually pretty decent and you want to see some competition. But then you don't see the logos and you're like, forget this. You know, yeah. Moving, moving on. Moving on. Side note, Spectra, uh, again, back to Panini, their credit, it somehow held its resale value. Boxes last year were on release. We're going for about 270 to 280 Last sold box on eBay was in uh, June and it sold for 270 <laughs> Wow. So- well, there you go. Says, supply and demand. There, there is something, the supply and demand, and there is something for everybody. That's our opinion that we're sharing. But there are folks out there that are really drawn to the wild colors and, you know, to, to, to the refractor in any way, shape, or form that it comes. Um, and, and again, I don't begrudge anybody for that. I still think on the true long term level, there's going to be a day where they realize maybe this wasn't a great investment, but you know, for their sake, I may be wrong. And in some ways I hope I am because that means the health of the hobby is really greater than I had expected. Yeah. But, um, I, I, I'm not getting involved. I have to, as, as someone who's trying my best and I, I lack some discipline. I'll be the first to admit I'm not always good at saying I'm sticking to these products and I'm not going to waste my time or money elsewhere. And then a product like Elements comes out and I'm like, oh, those on metal autos look really cool. I got to get a couple. And uh, I spend way too much money on the Steelers and a couple breaks and don't get any. And I still end up back to my buying singles mode. Um, so... <laughs> I don't always practice what I preach, that's for sure. But, you know, I, I, I hope that I'm limiting myself to only a couple of other releases per year beyond the products that I know I'm, I'm going to focus on, like the business yeah. of the world. Right. Um, right. Well, and I think we're, we're putting together some stuff to kind of help collectors figure out what to focus on in, in all seasons. Uh, I think that's important. But, you look at these four releases coming up: Unparalleled, Origins, Absolute, Spectra. Which one of those four do you are you immediately drawn to? Uh, so help me review one more time quickly: Unparalleled, 
origin. Unparalleled. So you Spectrum. got ninety bucks. Origins ninety nine bucks. Absolutes one hundred forty. Spectres three hundred. Laying price um, aside, which product would you say collectors? This is the one I'd be chasing. It's very interesting. As much as I disparaged Spectra just a moment ago. No, you can't. I, I can't allow you to do this. I have to. <laughs> I'm going to say unparalleled. Um, it's still obviously Spectra to me is, is the worst investment, whether you're a collector or an investor. Uh, and I'm much more on the collector side. So even though I just disparaged Spectra, there's something about the unparalleled look that I like. And it's probably not a card long term that fits what I was just talking about that really holds value. But it is less expensive to get in. Um, I, I, For some reason that I don't understand, I think it should be Origins. I like more than any of them when talking about a bit more of an artistic bent to the look of the cards. Yep. I like that kind of painted look that Origins comes with more than any of them. But I, I, I can't deny what has been very obvious data on return and that Origins is probably the worst of all of them. Mm-hmm. It, it, doesn't, I, it doesn't have a history. It's not built up. There's not enough yeah. following. <clears throat> it's like the early stages <laughs> of Inception. Well, and, and even now, it, it, well, true. It, it basically is Inception. <laughs> <laughs> they lost their license at Tops, and they couldn't make Inception anymore. So Panini saw, you know, an, an opportunity to basically make the same product. Um, right. But yeah, just like Inception, uh, whether it was, it was history or that people didn't gravitate towards that look of card, uh, I think one of the factors, and I believe we talked about this last year. Um, is that at least a good number of the rookies, if not all of them, have just double zeros instead of their actual numbers. Mm-hmm. And even some of the player-worn patches are double zeros rather than come from or cut from double zero jerseys rather than their actual numbers. And that, right. yeah, that could be annoying. Yeah. Um, so, and, uh, yeah, sorry. No, it's good. I, I I would agree with you too. The four I would I'm kind of more drawn unparalleled. Unparalleled. The first time I saw the the new look they have, it reminded me of Re- uh, Revolution. I mean, almost exactly like Revolution. Well, that's yeah, and uh, yeah. I actually, even though you said no history for Origins, um, I don't think there's much of a history for Unparalleled. But for some reason, that product does a little better. I think maybe there's more to chase as well. You know, Origins is one of those. One pack products, you get one or two autos, one or two mems, and uh, a couple of base cards, and uh, in unparalleled, you're you're content wise getting a lot more. There are more parallels to chase with all those different designs on the cards. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they have Galactics in there, but they have something like it. They got one on one parallels, you know, and Galactics. There you go. There you yeah. go. Um, you know, I am gonna try to start getting into some more Leaf products this year, just because I I do kind of appreciate what Leaf is doing. Uh, I, I tweeted a couple things this week about some products, um, so You'll I might have to dabble. Fill me in. I'm not sure what you're referring to. Well, I'm just talking about uh, the in the game use stuff. I think is pretty okay. sweet. Uh, I I think multi. Are you saying that ne- they're starting to do that for football only? 
No, no, no. That, that okay. the one I'm referring to is a multi-sport product. Um, okay, okay. But yeah, I'm I, I respect it enough, and and it has it has a pretty unique spot in the hobby where I I think it I needed to spend a little more time on the football and see what what's up and get a good feel for leaf football stuff. But it got me thinking if if Tops was doing unlicensed football products, would I be excited or not? Good question. If you had the chance to get a box of Topps Chrome today without logos, first of all, I think it, at least in that first release, there are so many people that miss Topps Chrome yep. that it would do well. Whether or not it would sustain, mm, tough question, probably not. Um, I kind of like that Topps didn't try to stick around I do too. and just force the, the agenda. I kind of respect that they decided that, all right, we're going to just focus on what we do. And it happens to be in baseball what we do best anyway. Right. And uh, I think you, you could argue that across all four major sports, they really have a solid plan down better than any other manufacturer and carry through that plan better than anyone else. Right. Yeah, no, that that is for sure, especially when it comes to watering down product release schedules. They they have the ebbs and flow of the hobby down better than anyone. I 100% agree. Right. Yeah. Um yeah, we'll have to that that'd be an interesting one to throw out there on Twitter as well. What uh if types tops did release an unlicensed product, would you be excited or would you not? And I think you're you're probably right. That first year people would be all hands on deck, let's do it. Uh and you'd probably see Panini overreact in some shape or form, and then, and then reality right. would set in that it's an unlicensed product. But, and by the way, I, I have, I'm not beholden to Panini for anything, but I wouldn't have a problem with them having some type of reaction because they did commit themselves in a very deep way, mm-hmm. and for them to make that not that they owe to the NFL, you know, they they really do have to go above and beyond, and they can't afford someone encroaching on their potential profit margin. Um, and, and they even still run the risk of, of their margin being too thin. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, you know, I, I, they, they did buck up and I can only hope that they'll realize that it's just not worth doing business that way. And that there will be a rebound in this hobby to where there's a more even playing field across all sports for all companies. Like we are, I mean, I'm being redundant, so I apologize, but I think that that point deserves that much focus and attention that, you know, we could all kind of be saying that as our mantra and just hope that it has some type of effect. Well, I am throwing a question out on Twitter. Um, to see who's in or who would be interested. I'm kind of curious and I'll, I'll tell you the results here in a little bit. Let's see if we get some, it is kind of early on a Saturday morning. So we're only going to get the, the early risers, but you can, uh, uh, you, you can obviously retweet it later in the day and see what kind of attention it gets. Yeah. I, see. I, I, agree with you. I think it's an important question that, um, you know, in some way, shape or form, even in, in that small fashion, um, we, we might have the ability to, you know, have, at least some influence in terms of the sharing of information on the hobby. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, well, so kind of a 
segue to another topic that uh, you and I want to talk about. So he, he, here's the dilemma that I face, and, and I, I threw some tweets out again this week about something. As as a breaker, or I guess as a breaker breaking customer, do you trust the opinions regarding products of your breaker? I'll leave it open ended uh, like that. So I, I'll say parenthetically up front. That's a big word. What exactly does breaker, that mean? Breaker. Parenthetically, meaning within parentheses, I want to say this is not directed at any one individual. There are breakers out there that I I like on a personal level. But if I'm being honest, no, I don't. I know that they're trying to sell spots and breaks. And I've way too many times been in the midst of a break where I know this is really not so good on a new release and I'm thinking to myself, Oof, I hope the second half of this case is better because if it's not, this product is looking pretty bad. And I'm hearing them say, Oh man, what a great case. Look at this product, man, guys, you better buy into the next six cases. If you want to stick around and see how great this product, you know what I mean? On one hand, as a salesperson, it's hard for me to begrudge them because I know what the game is about in terms of sales. And these guys, especially that are doing this for the, you know their primary income, they've got mouths to feed, and I want them to be able to do so. Mm. I would like a bit more honesty. I re- I find myself respecting that breaker a ton more, who's willing to say, "Oh man, this is garbage," or it doesn't have to be either great or garbage. There is in between. Mm-hmm. and help folks realize like okay i realize that a lot of you didn't get a hit in this break but this product isn't really just about hits you know it's heritage guys it's about the parallels it's about the secrets that are in there that you might not be aware of because tops didn't announce them um obviously heritage isn't a great example because most people are aware of what heritage is and what it isn't but just to make my point i use that as the example but generally speaking, it, it is hard for me to take a breaker seriously that's pumping the product so hard because you know they've got six cases of it to fill. That's just it, right? I mean, it, it doesn't matter if, if 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 they're talking about a product before the break. Th- there is no way you take what they're saying seriously. You just you just don't because you know. There's just no way possible they're going to say anything bad about that product because they the second they do, that product is not filled. So that kind of does bring us to a little bit of a different element of this conversation, which is if they're talking about any product before the break, they shouldn't be saying anything other than just the facts, man. Right. And I respect that. Just stick to the facts. What what am I going to see here? The unfortunate reality is. There are a good number of breakers out there that don't even know that. They don't know anything about the product until they open the first pack. So that that puts me in a situation where those breakers that both do that just share the facts about the product before they've broken it for the first time. But they've also done their homework to know what to expect. And so they're aware, oh, this card that looks different. Oh, this is the case hit. I read that. 
I educated yep. myself beforehand right. because I know not all of you can do that for every product. Right. Yeah. There are collectors that really do educate themselves. I think I'm one of them, but I want my breaker to be able to inform me that way. And it just takes a little bit of work up front. Don't list a product that you have no clue about and can't tell your paying audience that here's the breakdown, here's what we expect. And then more importantly, if it's not there, you know what steps you have to take to kind of approach Tops or Panini and say, hey, I opened a case of this in a break and we didn't get this or that. Yeah. And my audience deserves to know that there's going to be something done about it. But, uh, mm. yeah, well, so I'm, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. clear. I'm not calling anybody a liar. It's just disingenuous. So tell me who, who are the breakers that you think lie the most? <laughs> I'm oh. just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. Yeah. We're not going there. <laughs> We're not going there. No, but, but I do agree. I think, I think it's one of those things where when, when you lay out the facts, uh, Hey, you're going to get these hits. Uh, if I were, you know, if I, this is what I'd be looking for, or I would maybe tend to invest in these particular teams, like those types of things, while maybe not being overtly negative, they're also at least coaching your buyers a little bit, I think are, I think go a long way in building trust with, with your, your audience. Uh, so yeah, it, that's a tough position to be in. I mean, that's why we exist, right? We exist and other sites exist so that you can get kind of unbiased opinions on products and see like, what is the reality of pricing? You know, it sounds really good on paper, but the reality is 55 of these autos are less than $10. So think <laughs> about that before you bid. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just tough. It, it's frustrating to me because I, I just can't stand people pumping products are saying just this product's so great this product's a thousand times better than last year checklist is so good and then the next tweet's like we got 14 spots left to fill uh 28 a spot it's like dude yeah right i did and, and, and then it, you it, say yeah. right and that goes hand in hand with you know what I think everyone has experienced at some point or another in the midst of a break when a hit comes out that, you know, is just kind of blah, yeah. a, a one color relic that all of a sudden the breakers going nuts about. Wow. Boom. This. Oh, my God. This break, guys. You see this hit? This is. Oh, my. This case is on fire. <laughs> I'm sorry. Again, you know, we. I think most of us get it and you're trying to be entertaining and add to our experience. And for that, I respect where it's coming from, but there's a time and a place and it's very misplaced when it's not used appropriately. And sometimes more often than not appropriately is also sparingly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's obviously a lot of tangents we can go from the primary topic that you brought up here, which is that ultimate breaker's dilemma. What do I do? I got cases to fill, but I don't think this product is so great. I want to be honest with my audience. Yeah. How do I balance that? You know? 
I don't think there's an easy answer. I really don't. I think it's 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 just going to be a you're stuck between a rock and a hard place as a breaker and as a collector. You need to be wise enough to know like this is you're getting a very very biased opinion. Uh, there's an ulterior motive with what he's saying or she's saying, and you gotta you gotta leverage sites like Breaker Culture and the forums and all kinds of other things where you can get true opinions on products. And that also means, you know what, there's a reason why we have a ranking up for products. When you go and you add a ranking and you put a score on it for others to know, that just helps the community, helps the team right. invest better. So, And it is worth yeah. it for the listening audience that buys into Breaks to understand that you know, breakers have another dilemma in addition to this primary one, which is they think to themselves, if I don't have every product available to my customers and I potentially lose their business because they really wanted to see this one, even though I thought this product might be a dud, they wanted to try it. And then that fear grows because they didn't just lose you for that product in that break, but you might have a better experience elsewhere with a different breaker. Yep. and potentially take your business elsewhere for good. And that's I understand why that's scary because there's a ton of competition in this breaking world. Um, I think that's why you have some some solid veterans who have such established business and so many newbies that really, no matter how hard they try, they find it so difficult to break through. <clears throat> yeah. It's just... You know, there's there's that. There is that. That is for sure. And side note here, I feel like we're filming an episode of Planet Earth with all the birds in the background. <laughs> <laughs> what you're hearing are some birds. I got uh, two soccer moms across the street doing some gardening. Oh, nice. And uh, we're, we, we're actually on a golf course. My buddy recently bought a new beautiful home. On the fifth hole of the Polo Grounds Golf Course in Ann Arbor, and it is gorgeous. I think uh, later on, at around twilight, we're going to jump on and just play the fifth hole nine times. Nice, nice. <laughs> well, uh, I'll be interested to hear how you score. We're going to talk tomorrow to uh, Battlefield. We're going to have an Box interview. Breaks, right? A little interview tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, but before we go, I got a couple things here. Let's let's uh, new movie for the week. What are you going to watch? Anything come to mind? Oh, rapid fire come to mind. I can't think. I know there's a bunch of new movies I want to see. And here is an airplane to add to the beautiful <laughs> symphony in the background. <laughs> um, tell me yours. Hopefully it'll jostle my memory because uh, my son came home from camp and he couldn't wait to go see a movie. But we haven't done it yet. And we were well, looking so the other that, day. Yeah, there's a couple. I think uh, as – well, so I've been watching. The summer wraps up this week. We've been trying to catch up on all the Mission Impossibles with the kids. And we're going to try to catch Mission Impossible 6 this week. Nice. My that kids do. They do want to go see Christopher Robin. It looks like that's pretty legit. Okay. So we might go see that. But other than that, I I, – I, so are you into like um, – are you into like jail kind of prison flicks? Like Shawshank? One of the greatest movies ever? Kind of. Well, there's a movie that I was recommended last night by Bud, and he said that it's the top, one of the top things. He's a uber movie critic. He said okay. there's a movie that's streaming on Amazon Prime now called Shot Caller. S-H-O-T. It sounds vaguely familiar. And uh, Who's in it? Do you recall who's in it? I don't think, I don't think any tier one kind of big name actors are in it, but it's, it's essentially the story of a guy who – 
was dri- you know, driving while drunk and he killed one of his friends and got thrown into jail and was there for two years and basically has to decide like is he going to be what what type of guy is he going to be in jail if you know what i mean right uh-huh and uh he ends up joining joining up with the gang and long story short becomes top guy and it's a oh, story wow. of him rising through the ranks and uh i'm wow. really really excited to watch it but it's rare but pretty rare when you see an amazon video like with three thousand reviews over four and a half stars and it that, may be rare what, today, but I think we could put our money on it that it's not going to be rare for much longer. True. They see what worked for Netflix. Yep, you're right. In creating all of their – or uh, so much of their own content and with the deep pockets that Bezos has, <laughs> yeah. You're, you're probably never going to say that again about Amazon. Maybe. Maybe. For sure. Uh, okay, so it's all right. You don't have a movie. What's your favorite fast food joint? Give me something. Uh, my favorite fast food joint. I, you know, my knee jerk is to say Wendy's, but the truth is, my guilty pleasure is Popeye's spicy chicken strips. <laughs> it's like so their, bad. Do you it like just their sits dirty on rice? Your stomach for, Are you a dirty rice? Fan? You know what? I don't do the dirty rice because in sales, I'm driving around so much. It has to be something that I could eat without getting it all over my lap. Rice isn't really that conducive to eating on the fly. Yeah, and that's yeah. just so bad that I even admit that I do that. But, yeah, it's true. All right. Well, we're uh, so, we're, we're growing fans of Freddy's. you have Freddy's out there in Pittsburgh? We do not have Freddy's. What is it? Uh, it's a burger joint. They're, okay. they're the type where you're going to sit in the drive-thru a couple minutes longer than normal because they cook every burger to order, basically. That's good. Uh, kind of like a Five Guys, right? So it's fresh. Uh, I love Five Guys. Yeah, yeah. We're we're big burger family, so that's what comes to mind. But all right, so a couple more weeks, and so I guess three more weeks of preseason football. What uh, what player are you watching this week? What- In preseason football this week, um, you know, I did not. I, it's it's not that I'm watching some guy for the sake of the hobby. I just really want to lay my eyes on the guy and see what's what for the pros. I watched the Steelers this past week, and uh, I think this coming week, I want to see how some of these rookies perform. And the guy who I really just most want to see what's what about is, is Barkley. I want to see if the, the hype is real. I obviously You're... got to watch him a bit in yep. you know, Penn State's around the corner from Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, well, is, is he really going to be the hobby guy this year that everyone anticipates? Yeah. Well, he looked like a stud of the night for sure. I think the big news this week in rookie talk was Darius Geis going down. Is he out for the season? Out for the season, torn ACL. That's the guy that I was most excited about. Uh, yeah. So that kind of stinks, but I'll give you a name. I'll give you a name to watch this week for those listening. A receiver playing for Green Bay. His name's Jamon Moore. And he was drafted, I want to say, in the fifth or sixth round. Uh, former Mizzou guy, so I know him pretty well. I know his game. But he's really adapted well in Green Bay, and he's kind of moving up the depth chart. One of those guys where uh, if he makes some waves in preseason, I think uh, I think you can see a pretty solid opportunity for this guy. And he's playing with and Aaron Rodgers. And he even has a half-decent quarterback throwing him the ball. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. what? And if you're a fan, if you're either already a Green Bay guy or a Jamon Moore fan, buy into even a half case break of elements because I feel like I've seen him in every single break that I've either been in or watched. 
No kidding. So, I, I'm pretty sure. In elements specifically, not everywhere. But in well, elements, it's funny yeah. you mention that. So I'm looking at our our football checklist, which we our master checklist, which we haven't released yet. But uh, you have the greatest chance of getting a Jamon Moore card. In fact, it's four times greater than any other product, essentially. In look elements. at look at that level of observation here, with no data whatsoever. Yeah. One point eight. Let's just look. Let's look at autos real quick for Jamon Moore. You have he he has one point two percent of all the autos in the product. Versus in in Luminance, he's got point zero two percent, and in Donner's Elite, point one two percent. So, uh, wow, he's got he's got seven hundred and twenty six SP cards, numbered cards, in Elements. <laughs> in Luminance, he has twenty nine. <laughs> that's hilarious crazy <laughs> crazy but yeah, there you go i uh good to know i'll be ch- i'll be chasing out some element stuff by the way i got your michael uh porter stuff sent to me yesterday Thanks oh glad you got it i threw little, a couple uh, little extra things there i did the kids loved it we like uh mj melendez he's a he's a oh good five prospect for the royals good so i'm glad but all right brother have a good all time right, with thanks, your family man. we'll talk to you tomorrow thanks guys all for right, listening have a good one. Right. thank you